Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's the dog days of summer, even for city council. Our nine-member board is on recess until August 19th. Must be nice. We're going to talk through what they just accomplished and what's waiting for them when they get back. It's Wednesday, July 27th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. CityCast Megan Harris is in the house. Hello, Megan. Hey, Morgan. So, first of all, I don't know where you're at mentally. I'm probably (laughs) always somewhere in the clouds, but sometimes I could use a refresher. What is council exactly? What are they (laughs) supposed to do for us? We vote for them. What do they do for us? Right. Uh, Well, they. I I know this feels like it should go without saying, but I feel like a lot of people forget. Uh, They only represent people who live in the city. There are nine districts. Um, I will have a link to a map if you want to check them out. Um, But they each represent like groupings of different neighborhoods. Um, Just for brevity's sake, I'll skip the names unless it comes up and it's important later. Um, (laughs) But there is a good mix of experience levels on council right now and backgrounds. So some folks that have been in council for years and years and years or in city Mm -hmm. politics for years and years, um, and then others who are fairly new to the seat and, you know, kind of got involved more recently. Yeah. So what else do they do? They, they like, suggest and approve legislation. I guess that matters to us. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Ostensibly to make our lives better. um, But sometimes they kind of get into trouble because they don't actually have the power to do the things that they're proposing Mm. um, or they don't have the money that it would take to get some of those things done. So, like, a lot of ideas get floated that don't go anywhere. And then, of course, my favorite is constituent relations. Um, They take lots of calls, calls and calls and calls uh, (laughs) for the stuff that, like, really annoys people, like potholes or bad road signage. Oh, I'm sure they get a lot of those calls. (laughs) Right. Um, And then, of course, they get this four-week vacation every summer. It really, really must be nice. Um, (laughs) I'm in the wrong profession. (laughs) So let's start with three accomplishments. What has city council done for us lately? Yeah. So if you've been paying attention to our newscast, uh, some of this will feel a little bit familiar. Mm -hmm. Bobby Wilson's abortion access protection bills all passed. Um, So they would do a number of things, shield abortion providers in the city from out-of-state investigations. Uh Um, There's some state legislation that wants to challenge that. Next, deprioritize the enforcement of abortion bans and then also regulate deceptive advertising at so-called crisis pregnancy centers. And wasn't there a bunch of debate going on about those last two? Yeah. Deprioritizing um, and then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, the first one, not not as much, but the other two. um, So the first one is, you know, does council have the authority to deprioritize the enforcement of anything? If you remember, we did the same thing around possession for small amounts of marijuana a few years ago, and that got really messy. Mm. So it's up to our police and our courts to kind of like act on this, which, you know, has to rely largely on the honor system, which can get squishy. And then the other one, council added some language specifying exactly what deceptive advertising means, like so just putting that in writing, and then also uh, what can be considered a crisis pregnancy center. So that's one. Number two is... That would be Mayor Ganey's plan to assess every single city-owned bridge. Mm, That's a lot. I've never... (laughs) (laughs) I've never really, like, understood this. How... How is it the mayor's plan if it's passed by council? Like, can the mayor file, you know, his own 
his own bills? Yeah, uh, a little in the weeds, but yes and no, actually. Um, so if the mayor yeah. wants something done, he needs a champion on council. Um, for this one, he went with Anthony Coghill and the South Hills. Um, he's also chair of the Public Works Committee, which is, of course, the uh, committee where this bill would need to get heard first anyway. Yeah. So I think probably just greasing the wheels a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. So the bridge plan? Yes. It's called the Comprehensive Bridge Asset Management Program. Um, we're going to pay a company called WSP. They're enormous, like global. Um, they have two offices here in town somehow in Wexford and downtown. They're going to study our bridges and their problems for the next two years. The whole thing is capped at about $1.5 million. That seems straightforward. Sort of. Um, so Domi, the Department of Mobility and Infrastructure, they are managing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like really struggling with staffing right now. The acting Everybody director. Else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the acting director, Kim Lucas, was just made official this spring. Um, and there's a really cool story in public source talking about this exact program before it passed, um, where she's like, we have 800 sets of public steps, 150 city-owned bridges, and 400 retaining walls, um, plus landslide mitigation and flooding efforts. Um, and we don't have enough people to take care of all of that. Yeah, that is that's a lot to take care of, especially here in Pittsburgh. Those things happen. I mean, every single house probably deals with uh, one of these various problems. <laughs> right. You know? I can't imagine having like leading a department like that. It's so complicated. And of course, that's just like one tiny piece of what Domi actually does. And so number three. Number three. Uh, so one more thing that council accomplished, a final <laughs> redistricting map. I can't believe we're still talking about this. It's been months. <laughs> I know. Um, we finally made it through the legislative and congressional ones. This is the last one. It's city council. Same rules apply um, because we went through a census. They have to make sure that the districts still make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens every 10 years. Yeah, are there are there any are there any rules around redistricting? Yeah, for cities, um, at least here, variations of up to 10% population are allowed. Um, So for us and our population, that's between like 32,000 and 35-ish is kind of the range where each district should fall. And then one like stated goal is that we should not disrupt the voting blocks that are primarily black and that those would be districts six and nine. What areas are those? I knew you were going to do this. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling up my handy dandy map. Uh, district 6 is largely the north side, downtown, and into the Hill District. And then 9 would be Homewood and kind of north of there. Okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. When do these go into effect? Yeah, they don't go into effect until January. Um, but, you know, this could all start again if we end up annexing any communities like Wilkinsburg, for example, before 2030. Um, and actually, council has said that they want to talk about that measure again, annexing Wilkinsburg um, again in January. So, you know, all of it could get <laughs> a little squishy between now and then. What's old is new again. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will 
everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. What's next then when they get back in August? Let's do three again. I like the balance. (laughs) I think I can do that. Um, So first uh, would be short-term rentals. Um, So that's pretty regulatory. Again, a Bobby Wilson thing. He proposed it after that shooting at the Airbnb in the north side. Where those two teens got killed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So during discussions about this bill, the Post-Gazette reports that almost every council member agreed that they had been receiving a huge influx of calls um, due to the popularity of things like um, VRBO and Airbnb of people complaining about everything from like parties at rentals to trash and parking issues from people that are just in town for the weekend and they don't know who to get in touch with who the owners of these properties are. And that's very reasonable. I mean, you know, I don't I I feel the same way. I wouldn't want somebody coming in next door to me and and having a party just because you rented it for the weekend. It's it's not really fair to the, the people in that neighborhood. No, no. And there's a lot of other issues about just like getting in touch with your neighbors generally. Like, you know, like what yeah. if their trash can gets like blown across the street and damaged? Like you want to be able to call your neighbor, right? Um, Council's talked about a few different options to adjust the bill. So they'll take this back up when they um, when they reconvene. Um, one would be just to have a list. So if you want to rent your place, you have to get an annual permit, which means that the city would know who to come to if or when anyone complains or there are any incidents. Um, so that's one option. Yeah. Um, number two would be adding a designation for out-of-town owners or agencies. Um, so like Again, just like kind of like an asterisk there. So they know that this isn't necessarily someone who's like physically in Pittsburgh all mm-hmm. the time. Um, number three is the most extreme. Teresa Kale Smith uh, says that she wants any short-term rental to be the owner's primary residence. So it would mean no out-of-towner owners um, or agencies. And I'm not sure council has the ability completely to do that. How can um, you prove but that? But we'll see. I could be yeah, I could be the primary I, owner. <laughs> and st- you know, I could be the primary owner and still kind of split my – Sam by coastal Slip my time. Yeah, in right. Place. I mean, and that assumes that you're a private individual, right? Not like an agency that's like snapped up cheap property yeah. over the last 10, 15 years, which is also a huge thing here in Pittsburgh. Zillow. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and then there's a fourth kind of option. Um, technically, this is a different bill, but it's really related about adding some kind of parking permit that owners would have to sort out for their guests over the weekend. Okay. So that's short term rentals or rental property. Number two, what else do they have to work on when they come back? Yeah, um, also housing related. Um, So this has to do with mutual housing or co-ops. Those are those properties or developments that are owned collectively by residents that are supposed to keep costs low, like below market price for like lower income people. I've heard about this in places like New York City. Same, yeah. But not here. Yeah. Does Pittsburgh have any? Uh, That's an open question. I haven't seen a ton of reporting about it. Um, I Mm. assume so, or this would be sort of a moot effort. Um, But council's waiting on a report. Um, A couple of departments are working on it, including city planning, about how many developments like this the city even has, what their current regulations are, and then what the average rent price is for each one of them. When's Um, that due? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the report is due to council on August 23rd. So just a few days after they get back, we'll have to keep watching. Houses, rental property was number three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this would be Ricky Burgess's stop and frisk bill. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen whew, so much on this. I feel like I know where this is going to go, but how often is this happening right now? We know a little bit about that. Um, so in 2011, council asked our police bureau to start keeping tabs on what is legally termed warrantless search and seizure. That's so broad. What does that mean? Yeah. So law enforcement can search a vehicle without a search warrant if they have, quote, probable cause to believe it contains evidence of a crime. So the thing that makes vehicles in particular a little bit specific is that they're designed to be mobile. So mm -hmm. if you ask an officer to go get a warrant, then, of course, the vehicle could then go somewhere um, and evidence could be lost. Also, police can search if they believe that there's been an emergency or a suspect might escape. Um, those are usually called exigent circumstances. That is, that's pretty complicated. Um, <laughs> for, for, you know, pretty complicated situations for most of those. But the terms in it are absolutely absurd. They're so hard to follow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to how often it's happening and to who. Yeah. So in 2021, last year, um, we just got the annual report about a month ago. There were 2,182 stops made by the Bureau. Um, almost a third of them were in Zone 5. So that's East Liberty, Lincoln, Leamington, Belmar, Larimer, Garfield, Bloomfield, Highland Park, and of course, Homewood. Ooh, ooh. I'm waiting on the who, though, even though by these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 56% were black men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the number I was waiting for. Yeah, um, that's down just slightly from 2020 when 57% were black men. It's progress, not perfection. <laughs> you were very generous. 24% um, of the city's population currently identifies as black. That's men and women. So this is an issue. They know it's an issue and it's been an issue for a long time. Yeah, of course. So what would the bill do that's going to fix any of that? I mean, we'll see. As written yeah. right now, officers would need to verbally explain to anyone they stop um, why they're stopping them and want to search without a warrant and then provide them a case number so that they can then like the drivers can then look up the full report after the search. How quickly is that information even available? It depends on how quickly the officer is able to write up their report. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of it's like a paperwork question. Um, so some officers have said that this could effectively stop a lot of traffic stops because it wouldn't be worth it to do all that extra paperwork. Yeah. Although I'm curious about that line of reasoning because it would also mean, I think, a lot less court time, which is how a lot of cops rack up overtime um, to yeah. pad their paychecks. So I'd really actually love to talk to someone more familiar with that specific gripe than myself. But there's also an enforcement question. Again, like we talked about before, it's hard to be sure that police won't keep doing what they've always done. Um, some of that's habits, some of it's beliefs, um, and some of it's just like them continuing to believe that this is an effort towards safety, you know? Yeah. And a lot of it's also just the fact that they're still able to get away with so much. <laughs> okay. So that was three. Megan, you're, you and Mallory are considered the talkers of the group. We tried. But we've done it. We, we stuck to three. We did get an eye on a bonus one, though. <laughs> you, I, you know, you can't help yourself, of course. <laughs> I'll make it short, I promise. Um, there's the District 5 election coming up. Um, so right now, one of those council seats, District 5, is open. Corey O'Connor um, is the son of former Mayor Bob O'Connor. Um, he just became our city controller. So his seat is now up for grabs. Um, for the folks who do live there, it'll just be rolled into the November general election. So they'll see it then. 
Yeah. Do you know who else is running? And also, where is where's District 5? Can you pull out your <laughs> handy dandy map again? I will pull out my handy dandy map. I'm sorry that nobody can see it. It's very refined. Uh, it is the south. I know the difference between east and west southeasternmost corner <laughs> of the city. <laughs> um, so that includes like Greenfield and Hazelwood, mm-hmm. um, a lot of stuff that's south of the parkway, basically, um, all the way down tracing the Mon River. So yeah, people running right now. I mean, more folks could enter the race. Um, but at the moment, there's Doug Shields. Uh, he held the seat before Corey did from 2004 mm-hmm. to 2012. He was also the chief of staff for Bob O'Connor, Corey's dad. It's all in the family. No kidding. Um, and then there's a newcomer, Barb Warwick. Um, she moved to Pittsburgh in 2014, and she's been a super vocal advocate for the run and Greenfield and against the Mon Oakland Connector for a very long time. Um, she actually started knocking on doors in May, which was well before Corey's seat was actually open um kind of interesting where can we find where can people find some of these these candidates <laughs> yeah i uh, encourage anyone interested in election matters please google the candidates um we'll put some links in our show notes but both broadly have talked a lot about public transit and options not really being available and in good shape where they are yeah. um and both for what it's worth have also been pretty big supporters of mayor ganey and over the years well for one thank you and i certainly <laughs> I certainly hope Council enjoys their vacation while it lasts. Same. Some more news before you go. Governor Tom Wolf plans to send $40 million of one-time stimulus money to state-related universities to subsidize in-state tuition. After Roe fell, some GOP senators tried blocking funding for schools over Pitt's research using fetal tissue. According to Pitt, that tissue has helped them better understand the treatments for conditions like HIV and AIDS and cancer. And commuting costs for Pittsburgh drivers went up this year more than any other city, 60% in total. I feel that too. That's more than $3,000 per driver. And that's due to what else other than inflation? The rising costs of car insurance and gas prices all contributed to that. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, subscribe to our morning newsletter, all the things. And you can trust that we'll be back tomorrow morning because we are not on vacation with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. I'm going to call that flawless. Here we go. (laughs) So let's do the rest of it like that. (laughs) Okay.